the K, the E, the N, the N, the Y, the K, the E, the N is Kenny. It's Kenny. Welcome, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And as always, I have my partner in crime, Neil Kulong, to my left. What's up, Big Neil? It's a great stacking day, Lance. We are here, of course, this afternoon following NFL Week 13. The Steelers pulled off a 19-16 to win, uh, one that looked probably a lot harder in the second half than it did after the first. The Steelers were able to win their first two-game streak uh, in a row this season. We haven't seen that in quite a long time. It feels like I'm sure they did at some point last year. I don't remember. But the Steelers advanced to 5-7 and seven on the season after a 19-16 to 16 win over the kind of hapless Atlanta Falcons. It really was not an inspiring game uh, on both sides of the ball, Lance. I'm not sure what your, uh, your overall experience was like, but I, I don't think it was very good football today. But we saw some good things, and we saw a win. Yes, we did. We did. And before I jump into my quick thoughts, I want to say big up to my brother, Tracy Sylvester. I have attended a Steelers uh, Falcons game in Atlanta. And trust me, it is a party. They were having a bunch of fun in those stands because when I went to the game years ago, uh, you know, Atlanta fans are pretty cool. I mean, they let you root. They let you cheer. You know, you don't think like you're going to bust into any fisticuffs or anything. So it's a great environment and a great place to watch a game. As always, if you want to participate in the experience, make sure you go to YouTube, do a search for The New Standard and Lance Williams. And you can also catch us via podcast, do a search for Apple Pods, Google Podcasts, any podcast feeder, and do a search for The New Standard and Neil Kulong and Lance Williams and or Steelers. So before I get into my thoughts, Neil, um, I, I want to jump into uh, uh, the first segment of the program, Neil's spiel. What's your general spiel on this game? What's your thoughts on this game? Anything that stands out in general that you want to just really illustrate right now at the top of the program? Generally speaking, and I think this is really the conversation that we're going to have over the next uh, couple weeks. I think we've gotten to the point where we have to dig in deep to evaluate what the Steelers have offensively in particular. We'll get into the defense. Plenty to discuss defensively today as well. But an excellent first half gone to waste, I think. I thought we saw Kenny Pickett this afternoon take more command over this team's offense than we've seen him up to this point. He still leaves a couple plays on the field. That through the, the post that Frymuth ran, who might have had his best game as a pro, by the way, the post that he ran was beautiful. And Pickett could have put it right on his hands, and he just missed it and Lance it was the same thing we said last week about the throw that he missed to Pickens in the corner um he's just missing a couple of these throws every game they seem to come in the first half the second half is really something different but we can build on this right we, we can make some progress with this it is absolutely opposite of what it looked like earlier this season early in, in Pickett's time as the starting quarterback of this team we saw some things that really should have made us excited in this game early on. Second half, it didn't really work out that way. I think that's what happens when you have a 16-3 to lead or whatever it was. They got away from some things. I think they, they could have pressed their advantage a little bit more. Uh, some mistakes were made. 
they're not good enough to, to really overcome those. But overall today, I thought we saw Kenny Pickett almost really get out of the garage and play some high-level football. He did some great things early on. The Steelers almost were able to, to capitalize on it. Didn't quite work out, but that's a road game despite the amount of fans that are in the stadium. It's still a road game for the Steelers. It's still two consecutive games. And Kenny Pickett has not played poorly in a while. We can build on this. This is good for a, a 20th overall pick, fairly limited set of skills. We are seeing him grow into himself within this offense. And I just, I can't help but feel it's like they're, they're this close to putting together three, four really excellent drives really close to that. And they're just one or two things are getting in the way right now. You see it in the results, but if we're just looking play to play with how Pickett is operating, how Pickett is, is managing himself and managing the offense, you have to be really excited about that right now, Lance. You know, where they are, I, I, I think offensively, it's, it's just small execution details. And I, I think that's exciting. I don't think when you see them stall, I don't think it's a case of he's not reading the field, he's not getting through his progressions, or if something doesn't work, it's just the nature of it that these guys aren't robots, that sometimes you're going to miss a throw here or there. It, it, it's fine stuff now. It, it, it's, it's, it's sort of like when you turn in that essay and you get a B-plus on the essay, you're very close to the A-minus because you just didn't argue the one point succinctly enough or cohesively enough. Nothing wrong overall with your essay. Just you need to get a little more fine details, be a little more sophisticated in your argument, then that can push you to the A-minus point. That's kind of where it seems Kenny Pickett is. And before we jump into some of the offensive numbers, and we're kind of segueing into uh, Pickett's nitpick, the segment, se the second segment of the show, what do you think, what do you attribute, I don't know if it's fair to say a fall off offensively, or maybe, uh, where, where do you see the difference in first half Kenny and second half Kenny? Is it the plan? Is it Kenny? Is it as they get um, more into the menu, it's a little more difficult to execute some things because we're seeing him play really good first halves. He's starting to stack those together, and we're starting to see a little bit of a drop-off in the second half. I'm sure advanced analytics would say, could detail the difference, but what do you, what do you attribute to the difference in the halves? You know, we, we talked about this uh, earlier um, off the air. It, it was more the comment that you made was if they can come out it, it, to start the third quarter, because they're, they're kicking off to Atlanta, if they can get a stop and then score a touchdown after that, they're running the rest of the way. It came so close to that. They got the punt. Um, it, it wasn't an issue of their offense, not executing after that. They went 14, 14 plays for 75 yards to get the field goal to go up 19 to six. Again, though, they just, almost had it it wasn't quite enough and I think that's what it is it, it's not so much overall execution it's just a play or two here and there it's really not more than that it, it, they, they get a couple penalties and set up long downs that's what eventually uh, sent them south um that was on them right yeah they got the delay game penalty on third and 13 
They had a false start penalty on first and 10. So they, they started from Atlanta's 14-yard line and went back to the 19, to the 17, back to the 22, and up to the 15 before the field goal. It's things They're just stalling out, and that, that's happening on a lot of their field goal drives. They're moving well, and then things just don't work. It's, it's a play or two. It's not consistently happening to them. 14 plays, they moved the ball pretty well, I thought. It was, it was a reasonable drive. The combination of a couple penalties, penalties are probably something I would imagine Mike Tomlin's going to talk about uh, uh, after this game, and the fact that they're not getting the explosive play to kind of highlight these drives. They're not getting chunk plays often enough. We're seeing it, but you know, Pickett running for five yards is not a chunk play. Um, it, it's nice to see they load up on third and one. They're able to get two yards. That's good. But it come out with an incompletion. They can get 14 yards to, to Deontay. Um, another Najee might have been his best run uh, of the day, 14 yards after that, the, the play they lost to Korafor on. And then they just kind of stalled. It didn't move further than that. And that I, I think it's just the overall ability to go from play to play and be consistent. If they have to go 14 yards or 14 plays to get three points, you can see how this might happen. Um, the positive side of that, though, is on 14 plays, they're not turning the ball over. And again, Pickett protected the ball. I think he's about 120 uh, attempts now without a turnover. That's excellent. You're really happy about that. But got to get a couple more of those 20-yard passes. They got to be able to break a few more runs. Najee ran really well today. He looks like a completely different player than he did earlier this season. They're seeing things in their zone run game, again, that, that, that uh, bode very well for them in this game overall. Just not enough big plays, just not enough drives that they were able to finish. Atlanta is only in that game because, in my opinion, they two of those drives, and I'm being generous, two of those drives should have resulted in touchdowns that resulted in field goals. I agree. I, I agree that they're very close, and I agree that if they can sprinkle in some more explosives, that's when you'll see this offense go to the next level because you look at third downs – they were six of twelve, which is which is very good. They converted fifty percent. The other thing that's key there, there was a stat that was mentioned in the game that I want to point out to you, Neil. Uh, they were six of twelve on third down, twelve third down attempts. They've gotten that number down. I believe in the two prior games, it was above 15, 16 in terms of third down attempts, and that goes right to the point that they're not getting explosives. But the one thing that you pointed out and the one thing that was pointed out on the broadcast is the Steelers are leading the National Football League in 10 play plus drives. Again, that's a gift and a curse. The gift is they're yep. not turning it over. Those drives are turning into points, not always touchdowns. But the curse is the lack of explosives. And in this game, they had a 16 play drive, a 12 play drive. I'm just going to round up the fourth play. The fourth drive of the game was a 10 play drive. Uh, they had another 14-play drive, and then they had another 10-play drive. The last drive of the game, I'm going to round that up to 10. So you're talking about one, two, three, four, five drives of almost 10 plays or more. That's very good, but I'm sure this offense would take fewer plays for, for some more explosive plays, and they're getting close. Let me ask you, speaking about explosive plays, and, and this is just a play on the use of the letter P, uh, Pickens poutings, any issue with, uh, George Pickens pouting about not getting the football? Um, okay. Here's the thing. Emotion is a big part of the game. 
Maturity is a big part of the game. Um, he's a young kid. Part of what makes him a special player is that edge that he has. It's real easy to throw the diva thing out there when the players don't act like they're in the military the way that we want them to and not ever express anything and just go out and make these Herculean like plays all the time. They, they're bound to get a little heated. Some of them contain it a little bit better than others. Some of them don't make it as obvious as, as Pickens did today. I, I feel like he might have had reason to be a little bit upset. That said, I didn't watch every route. I didn't see everything. They doubled him pretty often from what yeah, I saw. And early. that was really only the stuff that they showed. So I don't know how often uh, it happened overall. He didn't look open to me all that much today. So, you know, it, we get into whose fault that is another time. It looked to me like Pickett made very good decisions with the ball. He hit open receivers. I didn't see him make a whole lot of mistakes in his, in his decision-making. Um, I can't speak a whole lot to it. Pickens showing that level of frustration. I get why people are going to be upset about that. I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. I'm not saying it's a good thing to do. It, you, you've got to contain it to some degree, but look, it, it's, it's a part of the game too. He should be frustrated. Uh, if, you know, if anything, the play that I think was, was we're going to look at the most and Pickens could have done this after literally every play and we wouldn't know about it. The play that we saw on TV uh, was the one in which Johnson fumbled my opinion i for the life of me can't understand how that's not a fumble but we'll i actually get into this thought that, that time. wasn't a fumble actually oh you're crazy god almighty they, they why why is it the players have to get a ball notarized now for them to to prove that they have possession of it he had the ball <laughs> my god biggest bailout call the steelers will have all season okay i'm not gonna get into that now pickens is upset he didn't get the ball he hadn't gotten the ball i don't think at all up to that point i don't believe it is best to show um, a, a, a player that the more you complain, we'll give you the ball to keep you happy. It needs to be a part of a plan. It needs to be something specific. And to the point that, yes, he's back in Georgia. Uh, it, 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 maybe this is just me. I just don't consider the Atlanta Falcons like a Georgia product. <laughs> They're just not. Nobody cares about the Falcons <laughs> in Atlanta. You're <laughs> correct. Not. Like if you go go to a bulldog game, I'm sure they'll they'll give them a standing ovation. That's the NFL team in Georgia, and they yeah, played on Saturday. It's, it's it's the NFL teams in SEC country. They're all like that. Yes. Um, you go to a Jaguars game, you do it to tailgate. You know, it's it, it's a recovery day after the, the Florida Georgia <laughs> LSU games. They they don't care about the Jaguars. <clears throat> um, I don't think you can do that as a player. I'm not suggesting that you can I'm not, I'm not saying he should be able to get away with that i'm saying though it doesn't always work out there are more things that he needs to do um i don't think pickett really made mistakes with the ball i'd have to watch the whole thing to see i'm sure there's an opportunity that he was open he expected to get the ball but he's he's still a rookie and anybody who's listened to the show uh from april until now knows i was at the start of the George Pickens bandwagon. Okay. Oh, Before everybody else started saying how great he was. You heard me saying it. In fact, you guys were yelling at me to, to calm down a bit. He is an elite level talent to get a guy like that in the second round is unheard of. It just, it, it shouldn't have happened. He needs to grow into himself as a player a little bit more. He's not running in incredibly competitive routes yet. In my opinion, they're asking him to run the deep stuff. I'm sure that's kind of bothering him as a receiver. If you run three yard, 
you know, quick slants and don't get the ball, totally different than running an 18 yard dig and not getting the ball. All right. You do that often enough. You're going to wear down a little bit. Your, your temper may get the best of you. He's got some work still to do, but you do need to get George Pickens the ball. Um, I don't think that's something that's going to happen consistently. He can chill out a little bit, but did he really freak out that much? Was it really that big of a deal? I, I, don't, I don't think, think it's that. It I don't think it's that big of a deal. And I don't, I don't have a problem uh, with guys getting upset on the sidelines. It's an emotional game. But the one thing I will say is we have to understand that a football game, at least from a TV perspective, is a television show. And if you keep it in perspective that it's a television show as well as a sporting event, you're going to show emotional outbursts that it's more compelling TV. So keep it in perspective that it's a television show as well. And I think you're right. I think he has played good enough football to where he deserves to get more than two targets. But I think you're absolutely correct, too, that early in the game, they were rolling coverage his way. Uh, but I don't have they a problem. They were rocketing him. That, that's that's yeah, the I, ultimate sign of respect. I mean, they had him the high and low. ultimate sign of respect. Yeah, you're not going to throw him the ball a whole lot in that situation. I mean, come on. Let's... I mean, yeah. I mean, so... You know, when you when you think of it in the football perspective, the, the entertainment perspective, the TV show perspective, you can understand why uh, if you probably looked at the entire game, he probably pouted two, two times and they showed it the two times. I mean, that's that's kind of how it, it, it typically works. But while we're staying on uh, the letter P, here are a couple other P's I wanted to uh, point out in the game. Patterson, zero yards in the return game. And you could clearly see that the Steelers had a plan, another P, in trying to deal <laughs> with Patterson and his ability to return the football. The other thing is, now that we're speaking on special teams and you're a bit of a special teams guru, let's give some love to another P, Percy Harvin, for that fantastic punt at the end of the game that really set up the Minka Fitz Patrick, another P, interception. <laughs> What's your well, thoughts on special teams playing this off, game let's, tonight? Nick? Let's give some love to another P, though, because Miles Poikin coming back was a huge element in, in Pittsburgh special teams today. I'm obviously making a joke. Miles Boykin is, is one of the better uh, um, kick gunners, punt gunners you'll, you'll find in the league. I thought he did an excellent job, but Percy, eh, Percy, I did it again. Presley Harvin's punt it, uh, at the end of this game was without question the best punt of his career and one of the best that we will see all season. Absolutely perfect P. It, it was placed exactly where it needed to go. The bounce on it was like a video game. I mean, you just you don't see punts per, as, as perfectly placed as that one was. And for the Steelers, what that set up is you're putting a bad quarterback into a must-throw situation um, on, on every down, they have to fight their way out of the end zone and they're already fighting against the clock without any timeouts. That punt needed to go exactly where it was. When Mike Tomlin decided on third down, what we're going to do is bootleg Kenny Pickett P uh, to the left side to, to set up whatever we're going to set up. We hope to get the first down, but not really. We're not trying all that hard. We want to keep this thing in bounds. We want to keep burning the clock because we're going to punt. We're not going to trust our, our kicker to hit from 53 here, which I thought was the smart move. I would have liked to have seen a more competitive try on third down. That's just me. I said that at the time. Uh, but I don't mind punting there either. I think that's good. And Harvin stuck it. It was absolutely 
perfect. He needed to do exactly what he did, and that set up the interception. Because frankly, I'll, I'll pin my ears back and chase Marcus Mariota all over the field when he has to throw all day. And he, he didn't even waste time. He immediately screwed up a pass. Right off the bat, the first throw he had, two Steelers defenders had much better chances of catching that ball than one Falcons receiver did. I don't know and why he the- threw it where he did. It was a terrible throw uh, right into Fitzpatrick, who read it perfectly and wisely uh, didn't try to score. Just forget it. You know, we, we want the ball. We want to kneel on this, and it's over. Yeah, in this game. Set up, it was you- all set up by the punt, and Tomlin played it that way intentionally. He had faith that his kicker was going to be able to get him inside the five, which is tough. You know, you're, you're 40 yards away from that spot. Yeah. You're kicking a ball that you have to catch first perfectly to the point that you can drop it exactly in a very small box considering that the amount of space that's on either side of you it's a really hard kick to make and he drilled it great for him yeah i thought you made a great point on twitter when you said um about the play that maybe you call a more competitive play you know i might have handed it off to Najee if i if my plan was to punt anyway and not put it in Pickens' hands and throw the football. I probably would have handed it to Najee, try to get Najee on the edge. The, the play it, he called, Pickett rolling out where he did, was more setting up for a field goal. Like, you want to get it to yeah. a certain side. And to, to not risk the runner getting bounced or taken down at the line of scrimmage, you get the quarterback, who's got the most space out of shotgun when he gets the ball, to make sure that you flank wide enough to get onto that outside hash. For me, I you know I'm, I'm given pissed off Najee the ball in that situation uh, I want to run for sure so as competitive as you can be uh, as a, as a one-dimensional um, football team in that situation get the ball to Najee plow ahead if he wants to go off tackle if they want to do outside zone they can do that they're a good inside and outside zone running team now they're able to to, to probably bust ahead a little bit more because first down ends it I would have preferred to see them be a little bit more competitive um, I can understand why Tomlin doesn't feel that converting in an obvious run situation for them, getting five yards on, on a handoff is a, a, a wise tactical move. I could see why he'd want to do that. But, you know, it, the game's played that way on purpose. Either way, um, the, the, the decision-making that Tomlin made in that situation was, it, uh, you know, by the end of, of the game, it worked out exactly as he wanted it to. The Steelers won in tremendous fashion the final two competitive snaps of that game, the punt and the interception. You know, and Marcus J. <laughs> Marcus J. Uh, says because Tomlin is I chicken ass. Know about that, <laughs> um, I don't. I don't <laughs> know about that. that. You know, here's my thought. I, I think at different. Here's another P. Points in the game. Your coaching staff will tell you what they believe about a player. Now, in the, if this is Ben Roethlisberger in the game, they're throwing the football. Ben Roethlisberger is throwing the football to win the game. Um, And and that's going to be the next step uh, for Kenny Pickens is when he gets to the point where uh, Tomlin and or the offensive coordinator or coaching staff trust him to the point to end the game with his arm, not his legs, because we all know there's no boot to bend. And we all know that play is probably Ben Roethlisberger to Deontay Johnson and or a B for five yards. Game is over. But Kenny Pickett is growing and getting to that point. Um, on the offensive side of football, Neil, are there any? Oh, let me do this. Let me be. Let me. Let me. Let me do this. Let me not be remiss and skip over Najee Harris and how well Najee Harris has played over the last three. Do you know? I think this is the first time this year 
that Najee Harris has averaged five yards a carry in a game. He ran it 17 times for 86 yards, averaged 5.1 yards per carry, and the Steelers ran it for 154 yards today, 37 attempts, 4.2 yards per carry. Speak to the improvement of Najee Harris over the course of time this year. Uh, would you attribute it just to his to the foot getting better, possibly? Because I know he came into the game banged up. Have they kind of found a nice formula of what they want to run in a running game duo, some gap stuff, um, that all this is kind of coming together? What do you attribute most to uh, Najee Harris looking much better over the course of the last four games? First off, I'd like to point out the Steelers, a more true rushing number, 28 for 130 today. If you take out the picket stuff and whatever yes. bullshit they're doing with Gunnar Olszewski that needs to stop Gunner. right bleeping now, get rid of that. Between Snell, who also ran very well today, I thought uh, Najee had a great game, uh, carry for carry. Steven Sims chipped in with a little bit. Jalen Warren just had the one carry, but um, they, they used him in a couple different ways. Uh, best game of the season by the Steelers running backs. And Najee is going to be the tip of that spear every time. For, for me, the main thing I'm seeing uh, with Najee is he looks healthy. He looks explosive. Um, some of that is due to, and fans of our show are going to let me hear this uh, up and down, the offensive line is greatly improved. They are giving him more to work with. And he is taking advantage of that. He is actually attacking downhill. He's not screwing around in the backfield. He's not sidestepping. He's getting the ball and he's getting north. Okay. He had, he had not been doing that up to this point. Did a great job of that today. And I think the 5.1 yards per carry average uh, with only a four, a long of 14 shows exactly that he's not taking negative carries anymore because he's getting the ball. He's getting upfield. That said, though, the offensive line, uh, particularly on the right side, in my opinion anyway, from, from just the, the broadcast view that I saw, they did an excellent job in, in uh, running zone today again. They've run inside zone very well. That's really been, I think anyway, the catalyst um, for this team's rushing success since the bye. They really straightened a lot of that up. They cleaned a lot of those things up. Harris is not taking one and two yard carries anymore. 17 for 86 is 5.1 a carry with a long of 14. That means he had a lot of five-yard carries. You're very you're very impressed with that overall. And I, I feel like that's what it looked like. When they gave him the ball, he was moving forward. And I again, I think they should have given it to him at the end um, on third and five just to see what might have happened, but fine. Um, I will say this, though, and again, anybody who's listened to me over the last year and a half bitching about Najee Harris will know how far of a deviation this is for me. I was actively saying to give Najee Harris the ball with the game on the line. I don't think I've ever said that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait yeah, a minute. record that one. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Get mark the tape. Like, what's the time? If somebody's out there, please mark. As of right now, it's probably about 26.50, we'll call it. 27 flat. Uh, let me write that down. Mark the tape. I got to check Neil after the show. I got to check his temperature. Yep. And, you know, I got to get you a thermometer or something because Neil said uh, – I'm coming off illness here. He said, uh, I was calling for them to give the ball to Najee Harris. I, I... You, you don't see it much. You don't see it much. Okay. <laughs> and look, I'll, I'll argue with anybody to the death why I was justified in making that. But I'm just showing that when he is producing, 
he's going to get complimented. He is playing good football now. And we, we have it, today in particular, I thought he did might have been his best game this season. If we're not purely looking at results, which I don't think that is the best way to evaluate a football player, not just in stats. So in other words, his best game does not have to be the game that he rushed for the most yards. Per carry, the way he looked, the way he attacked what he was given, I feel like he did the best job he's done this season. And he's he's gotten better week in and week out. Um, the Cincinnati clunker aside, which is unfortunate because I thought they played well in the first half of that game, um, you're, you're seeing them play like a pretty competitive team now. And Najee, I think, is, is one part of it. There are a lot of parts, but he's a, a good chunk of it. And uh, they're able to have something of an identity on offense, which they have not had, in my opinion, in two years. Speaking of Najee Harris's runs, and, 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 and tell me if you disagree, I thought his most impressive run wasn't the 14-yard gain. I thought his most impressive run, there was a run inside late where he turned – Early contact in yep. the hole to a five-yard game. Um, I thought that was his best Pretty run well. of the year, actually. And I'm like, whoa, okay, Najee's looking a, a, a little bit frisky here. But I, I got to give a big shout-out to Felicia. Now, in terms of phrases and sayings on this show, Neil, you came up with the best one of the year, Dan Less. Dan Les. No, that wasn't me. That wasn't you? <laughs> I pulled that from somebody in here. I forget who it was. <laughs> Whoever came up with Dan, with Dan Les, that, that, that's, that's just, the best. Those are the best ones. The ones that are just staring you right in the face all the time. and You never notice Th- it. That is awesome. But Felicia's picking your It took your Dan poison? Les four plays to commit a penalty today, by the yes. way. Yes. Pick it your poison is great. Pick it your poison is good. Pick it like your that. poison is really, really good. Like, that's as good as, like, can I pick it? Yes, you can. I mean, pick it your poison. That is awesome. Felicia, thank you for that. But let's flip to the defensive side of the football. And we were just talking about the Steelers improving on their ability to run the football week in and week out, their ability to run inside zone, and Najee Harris looking more healthy and more decisive in the running game. Let's look at some of these numbers on the defensive side of football in terms of them defending the run, because I thought Atlanta really got it going in the second half with the stretch of running on certain drives, on a couple drives back-to-back. And Patterson and Algier uh, combined for 21 carries and 112 yards. They both averaged over 5.2 yards per carry and had long runs of 20 yards or more. Overall, Atlanta ran at 28 times, 146 yards for 5.2 yards per carry. What's, what's your thoughts on the run defense today? And it's been generally pretty solid uh, over the course of the season. Actually, it's improved immensely this year, and it's going to have to continue to play that way going into next week's game against the Baltimore Ravens. But what's your thoughts about the run defense today? Any concerns? Um, you're, you're playing a very good run team. Arthur Smith is one of the best uh, ground game organizers uh, in the NFL, probably in recent memory in the NFL. Great coach. They have a great scheme. They run the ball well. You expected them to put a drive together like they did um, at the end. They had the chance to, to take the lead. Um, would have been 20 to 19 if they got a touchdown on that drive. But they, the Steelers were able to force a field goal. But Atlanta was running on them um, pretty aggressively. And it, it, they're a good run team. Uh, Pittsburgh held them down, I think, First half for sure, uh, kind of let them back into the second half. There are some issues there, but 
it's it's a tough run team, a tough ground game to to have to contain uh, over four quarters. This is where your offense needs to jump ahead more than one score. And they had the opportunity to do that. In fact, I, I don't think that Mike would talk about this in a press conference setting, but I'm willing to bet that he was particularly burned on that uh, the third quarter field goal that they got after that long drive. They really needed a touchdown. They really needed to force Atlanta uh, to have to throw the ball a little bit more. You saw what happened when Atlanta had to throw. Uh, they really didn't throw particularly well. Marcus Mariota is not a good passing quarterback. They would have had more of an opportunity uh, to, to stick it to them in the second half if they got that touchdown you've got to be able to capitalize on that uh question though in 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 regards to the run game uh the the Steelers run defense I should say they need some help there still I think uh Montrevious Adams looked pretty gassed to me by the end Tyson Aloualo is still a shell of the player that he used to be um Cam was pretty gassed We, we saw issues with that as well DeMarvin Leal hasn't played in a while so that's going to affect it as well they will improve personnel-wise once Leal gets back in there. Um, they've got some work to do still in that unit, though. Um, not ideal, but a solid effort, I think, against a very good rushing team. And it's, it's interesting that you brought up Leal. LT in the comments said the same thing. Defensive liners worn out, needs a little help uh, from Leal. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, overall, I, I thought they played <laughs> – uh, I shouldn't say in the critical portions of the game, but I thought overall, as a body of work, they played the run pretty well. And, and I think you can be expected to give up a little bit in the running game. Uh, but it was kind of a cat and mouse. I mean, and, and I'm glad that you mentioned uh, their inability to score touchdowns in certain situations that sometimes scoring is your best run defense. And if they were able to get a touchdown in the game, they take them out of the running game and then they completely shut them down. I mean, they were very foot. And this is why I love football. They were very close to blowing Atlanta completely out. Yep. They were Just very close to, to the losing the game and, and, and they were very close to winning the game as it looks. But Mr. Tummy is right. I mean, at this point right now, they're averaging 17.8 points per game and giving up 23. But for a team like that, I still think with the play of Kenny Pickett, the running game getting better, that I like that this arrow is going up. Let me ask you this. When you're watching the game, I I, kind of forgot that Kenny Pickett was a rookie. In the first half, when I'm watching Kenny execute, I'm not watching him. I wasn't watching him execute like, is this guy a rookie? Or I was just looking at Kenny Pickett like, man, he's a functional, he's a solid NFL quarterback. Like I thought like, man, okay, this guy is dealing. Like I, I was getting not not the feeling of, you know, this guy's an elite player or anything, but I, I wasn't feeling like he's a rookie and he can't go out and execute. I, I was kind of feeling like, okay, we finally found our guy. Like, He's proving to be that guy. What were your thoughts just overall watching Kenny in this game? The, the one thing, and this has been true the last couple games, that I'm noticing with Pickett, it's, it's what he didn't do. He didn't turn the ball over. For a rookie, uh, what, four games in a row now? I want to say yes. four and a half? That's pretty impressive. You know, obviously you don't want to ever turn the ball over. It happens, though. You know, the, the greatest throw interceptions here and there. 
Pickett isn't doing that. But at the same time, he is increasing his aggressiveness. He's getting the ball deeper down the field. Um, seven point yard, seven point uh, yards per attempt today. He was eight point five at the half. A lot of that was was on the Frymouth, um catch and run. But when you are talking about a, a young player for where he started, it, it's really impressive to see him getting better, getting more aggressive, uh, more confident, attacking down the field, and he's not making turnover-worthy mistakes. They aren't close. They're not dropping interceptions. Keep in mind, he was turning the ball over once every five times he touched the ball <laughs> the first two games he played. Uh, for, for where he is now, it's, it's a pretty remarkable improvement. Um, we don't quite know what the ceiling is and we're not going to act like we do, but we're seeing much better things from him game to game. And I'll continue to say this because it's just so maddeningly frustrating at the same time. They are so close to busting a few of these wide open. Exactly. As you said, they could have buried Atlanta in this game. They could have absolutely buried them a couple plays and they're up three touchdowns easily in this game. Atlanta did not play particularly well in the first half. The Steelers had more of an opportunity uh, to put them away, and they took a 16-3 lead at half. It used to be that they would have been up 6-3 to at half after something like that. They are getting better. They're doing more with the opportunities they have, but Pickett is just missing on a few plays. And that it's a much uh, – to me, it's a clear improvement from where he started, and he's doing a little bit more each game. He's playing at this high level, but he's just on the edge. Very, very close. Um, I, I tweeted at some point this week that George Pickens is a, a step away from 150 and two scores at some point. I, they're going to put it together against somebody soon. I think they're going to have a big offensive game. I don't know who it's going to be. I can't tell you exactly why right now, but I really don't think they're far off from that. They're, they're much closer to a big game than a bad game. I think one thing that also stood out in this game is, and I don't know if it's a factor of Marcus Mariota, but they only gave up 167 yards um, in the passing game. Um, and he had a rating of 72.7. And it's probably because of Marcus Mariota. But, you know, this defense has given up, uh, consistently given up big plays in the passing game. And it was very good today. They also limited the Falcons to 3 of 10, 30% on third down. Also, the Steelers were pretty good in the red zone, one of two. More impressive there is the number of red zone attempts. They only gave up two red zone attempts. The Steelers have been giving up about 50% in red zone conversions over the last four games, but because they only held them to two chances, it was it, it's been pretty solid today. Let me ask you one question before I jump into my Lance's hypotheticals. What's your thoughts on TJ Watt? What's going on there? Is, is TJ not healthy? Um, I mean, what's going on with TJ? We're not seeing uh, the TJ Watt of old. I thought we'd see a little better TJ um, as he sort of got his sea legs. This would be, what, his third game back. I thought we'd see a little better TJ today. What's your thoughts on on TJ Watt's performance and, and why has he struggled a little bit coming back from injury? He's not right. He's not well. Um, the big thing – this is kind of funny because it, it's the other side of the, the super emotional player thing we were talking about in regards to George Pickens. Uh, TJ Watt plays with his emotions on his sleeve. He looks, I don't mean this literally, but he looks just bored, lifeless right now. You can tell he's really bothered by something, whatever that happens to be. 
uh, whether we'll get the full uh, explanation of what it is. He's not right. There's no way you could think that he's right. The Falcons weren't even double teaming him at the beginning of this game, um, let alone throughout. He does not have burst off the line, which suggests to me it's a lower body thing. Uh, he's using the same move on the same tackle, the only guy who's blocking him, and he's not even close to getting by. He engages, sees where the quarterback is, and he's moving off to the side. He's not beating the guy um, across from him the way that he did. He's not right. And um, to whatever degree um, he's going to be able to get right by the end of this season, I, I don't know. Time's running out. Um, I wouldn't be real optimistic about it. Three tackles. I don't think he got his first tackle until the second half. Uh, again, no sacks. I don't know the last time TJ Watt had no sacks in three consecutive games. I think that's where he is right now. Uh, it hasn't been good. He, he does not look good. Um, oh, sorry. He had a half a sack against the Bengals. I must have forgot about that. Uh, he has a half sack in his last four games, um, all coming back from injury. And it, uh, it, it doesn't look good for him. He doesn't look like a great player right now. And that's showing up. The Steelers are having to do a lot in their secondary they're having to tackle the catch a lot and we're seeing when you have a good run team uh they can put together a drive on you uh when you don't have a difference maker getting into the backfield making a play when they have to and you would think they're running the ball that much Watt would eventually be able to make a play and he hasn't he's he's not healthy he's not right um still i'm sure a step better than than the dregs they have backing him up but I, I was worried about this. At, at some point, he was going to get hurt. And what happens when he's not defensive player of the year uh, capable? And that's where we are now. We're, we're starting to see life with an average T.J. Watt. And, and to the degree that uh, he is going to be able to come back and perform like Superman the way he has so many times in his career, I don't know. The sport is is cruel. It's, it's tragic. It can take game from you a, a lot quicker than it should. And Watt is not nearly as young as people think that he is anymore. He's played a lot of football. So you, you hope the best. Um, I just, from what I've seen, he's pretty lame out there. He doesn't look like he's a difference maker at all. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to just, you know, play through whatever it is that he has. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think the point that you brought up about him not commanding the double team consistently is probably the most important thing to illustrate or that you illustrate they are they aren't even putting a double team on him it's I mean, not like they decide I mean, later on they 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 scouted him as saying look he's not going to do anything yeah that's, that's a bad yeah. sign that that's a they sign know it I mean, pretty clearly because i mean there is gravity in football similar yep. to to gravity in the nba uh when guys move without the basketball and create space and shots for other people it's the same thing with the pass rush if you have to continually occupy TJ Watt with two, you know, you free up some one-on-one matchups in other places, but the Steelers are in a bad place defensively. If uh Highsmith is your best pass rusher, let me jump into my hypothetical because it's on a defensive end. And I talked to my dad a couple of times this week and he, he, he approaches me every once in a while with a trade to get my, my, my thoughts on a trade. Like, would you do this trade? He said, would you do the trade a second and a third and possibly a an additional pick in the 2024 draft for Cam Hayward? If you could do that in a trade. My thought was, mean. <laughs> my thought was, if they're trying to be competitive next year, I, 
I'm not the hypothetical trade for guys stuff because you never know what those guys are. And I, my, my philosophy in coaching was always to minimize as many unknowns as possible. I think you introduce some significant unknowns on your team if you trade Cam Hayward. I understand getting more assets for the next couple of years during this rebuild. What's your thoughts in terms that's, of that that's hypothetical? The problem, that's the problem with hypotheticals like that, though, because what you're talking about is such a ridiculous situation. You can't take it seriously. I don't think there are many players in the league you wouldn't trade for that kind of a haul. That's a massive amount. And Cam Hayward is somebody that I know personally. I don't know if I have enjoyed watching a Steeler more than Cam Hayward. From a business perspective, there's no way you don't make that deal. That's insane. You, you have to. Um, you just have to. It's terrible. I hate the fact that they would have to do that. But my God, who is dumb enough to give up that much for, for this it, it, Hayward at this point in his career? I would give anything to see him retire a Steeler. I really hope that that happens unless, you know, somehow or other he just finds life and all of a sudden turns into Aaron Donald and the Steelers can't afford him and somebody wants to pay him $30 million. Then I'm happy to see him go. Then I'd be happy to see the Steelers reap that kind of a reward for him if they really just couldn't do it. But that's just way his market value isn't anywhere close to that. No, nowhere close. Where do you think his value is? Cam? Yeah, on a, on a trade yeah, for his contract, you a team would have to pay a premium because of who he is. You might get a second for him. You might get a late one from a contender that really doesn't believe in in draft picks. Um, and a lot of that would be very much we need a, a veteran leadership laden guy to come in and play 12 to 15 snaps for us at a really high level and be a dominant player for us because this is the only thing we need to win a Super Bowl and we have to win a Super Bowl or all of us are out of a job. That situation, you might get a first on a gamble, maybe, in that that's a highly leveraged situation. Um, his contract is significant. There's only two years left. Uh, he's given everything he's had over the last two years. I'm not sure how much he even has left. Um, it, it would have to be like a, a stretch drive. I mean, the trade deadline has passed, but put it back to that time. If you're right at that spot, that would be like Philadelphia needs to replace somebody that just got injured, needs a guy that can come in and just, you know, bust heads and dominate in the scheme that we have for him uh, for half the season. Maybe if they even have a, a first, I don't even know if they have a first round pick. Maybe you get, a first from a team like that again though highly highly leveraged um realistically a three is a big contract um he's older he's not familiar with your scheme necessarily that that's a pretty significant risk you don't acquire players at market value you're usually trading a bit more with that premium but to give up that much for him i mean i don't know what personal reason you'd have to acquire him to give up that much it's it, it's just it doesn't work that way. It, you know, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's just it it wouldn't work that way. Let me ask you this before we get out of here on this particular game because I have another just to, something to throw out as we try to end the show pretty quickly. Um, any any other defensive number or anything that stood out to you in this game? I thought the lack of pass rush stood out. 
Um, I thought they were spotty in terms of defending the run. Anything else stick out to you? Um, uh, I would say this. and I, I kind of wanted to. I feel kind of disingenuous for not having brought this up. Watt had a lot of spy assignment, which means you go after Mariota um, on, on a rush angle, not in a pass rush manner, but containing him in the pocket. Uh, part of the pass rush, I think we're gonna, when we watch the film, we're going to see that. I think we're going to see them collapsing around a pocket, not advancing to the quarterback as much. They run the ball. They run a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of variations, a lot of, of delayed handoffs. You have to stay disciplined against teams like that. Um, at the same time, that's part of the genius of Arthur Smith. That's a way to protect your quarterback. We saw them running uh, misdirections, play action, uh, without a rush because they have to defend against the ball being run by two guys that can run or catch and a quarterback that can run or throw. There, there's a lot of discipline that has to go into to, to maintaining the integrity of your defense, and that's going to back off your pass rush a little bit. So I, I, I would be concerned – um, for part of that, I guess it's not a huge concern. I think more against an even team, uh, we would have seen a different strategy, and I think they would have uh, pushed a bit more pass rush wise. I'm not overly worried about uh, where they would be with that. I think both um, both Highsmith and Watt had uh, pretty stringent uh, uh, run checks that they had to, to follow through on for this game, considering their opponent. Um, it's solid though. You know, I, it won't grade out well because they didn't. I don't. Did they get a sack? I don't even know if they had a sack. They got one sack. They got one sack. All right, good. Well, I'm looking at it. Got, they got one sack. They got a sack on what, like twenty quarterback camps. So, um, they, it, it's not like they're facing a great protection team. And the Steelers are a good defensive unit, even if they're not really getting um, great individual uh, accolades this season compared to the past. Alex Highsmith is a very, very quiet ten sack guy. Um, you know, he's gone games like this one. He really wasn't much of a factor in it top to bottom, but he's played well in, in a few games this year. He's probably been statistically their, their best defender. So a uh, different kind of scheme, different setup for them on a team that has needed um, a, a, a true team effort most of the games they've played this season. <laughs> I'm laughing at Mel's comment. What's up, Mel? Mel said, sorry, I'm late. Been drinking, smoking, and talking shit. I'm in Cowboys country. Beat me to it, please. Hey, Lance and Neil. Hey, there's nothing better than eating, Beat drinking, <laughs> and, and, and talking shit after your team uh, wins on a Sunday. Uh, there's nothing better than that. And while we're talking about... The first time uh, this year, we've done it two weeks in a row. Yeah, two All weeks right? in a row. we got to celebrate and, that. And while we talk about <laughs> a, a couple of you know, hypotheticals, <clears throat> Lance's hypotheticals, Looking into next year, I think the Steelers have some very interesting contract discussions, and we'll talk yep. more about that. Cam Sutton and, and, and Terrell Great. Edmonds, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see um, could what be, they could do. Be looking I'll at be, a completely overhauled secondary next year. I'll be surprised if both of them are back, and I wouldn't be surprised if neither one are back. What do you think it looks like next year? I, I mean, I don't think both are back. And if that's the case, which one comes back? I, I will say this. I feel – we talked about this back in free agency. I thought it was really strange that they gave Witherspoon and Wallace the same deals. Two-year contracts, very easy out in the second year. I don't think they intended to sign both of them. I think they wanted Witherspoon. Witherspoon didn't take their offer. They went and gave it to Wallace. 
But then Witherspoon came back and they said, oh, hell, why not? We'll, we'll, we'll get them both. Either way, though, it's set up a lot of decisions, like you just mentioned, uh, for 2023, what they're going to do with their entire secondary. Edmonds, at that point, when they signed Wallace and Witherspoon, uh, Edmonds hadn't been signed. You aren't sure exactly what Edmonds' market is. I think to Pittsburgh, it's worth a pretty good amount. Uh, I think he's proving that this season. I, I think you hope that they could get him on a longer deal. Um, the acquisition, though, of DeMonte Casey could throw a, a, a wrench into that. Another guy they need to make a decision on. Basically, their entire secondary uh, has a decision coming on them, except for Minka. James Pierre is a free agent. Uh, he came in and, and played again when, when uh, um, Wallace went down. Witherspoon's on IR now. He's barely played. I'm not sure. You know, do you want him back again? A lot of decisions. Uh, Sutton, free agent. Pierre, free agent. Um, last cheap years of Wallace and Witherspoon. I think you need to draft a cornerback. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the direction they want to go. But you still need a safety. Is it going to be Casey? Is it going to be Edmonds? Is it going to be pick somebody else? Lots of decisions in their secondary. Yes. They have money to spend, and they're going to have to sign three or four defensive backs at least and then draft on top of that. Yes, and like Mel says, at least the Bears lost again, so their second-round pick looks each looks better each week. Uh, Claypool, I think it's up Claypool to... fumbled and got hurt in on the same play as well so i think um it's up to what the 33rd pick yeah it's it's like a top five in the second round pick yeah so um that's good so with that listeners man we're gonna probably get on out of here uh we're definitely gonna be bringing you the show on wednesday we're gonna break down that ravens game and uh mel's on it already you know can the steelers possibly beat a lamar jacksonless ravens team that's for sure they could probably do well against the team with Lamar Jackson. They they tend to defend Lamar Jackson uh, very well. With and uh, Robert Cotting asked a real quick question. Jump into this, Neil, real quick before we get out of here. What's your thoughts on Joey Porter Jr.? I have not watched a ton of Joey Porter Jr. I've talked to a lot of people about him. They say legit first-round uh, pick. I'm not sure if he is a top-10 kind of guy, but the premium in the cornerback position being what it is, I know he's really long. Um, he has great physical build for, for the position. Uh, he's a good athlete. We'll see how he tests. Uh, clearly, he's taking it seriously, though. If he's backing out of a, a pretty prominent bowl, uh, he likes his draft stocks. So I, I would say um, more than likely you're looking at a kid top 20 um, e evaluated in December. I, I think most people see him in that range. Um, I love the is DNA. he a stealer? That's really what you're asking. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about him where I sit today, but I, I promise you I will be diving into that sooner here rather than later. I love the DNA, man. I like when you have an opportunity to draft the sons of former players. Those guys get it. Those guys get it from <laughs> the overall, it's a league, it's a business, you work, football serious. That, that Those guys get it. Those guys get it, and they typically have good football IQs. They typically know the game because they've watched and observed the game for years at the foot of their famous Hall of Fame or NFL dads. I like I like when you go and you go back and dig into that DNA. But yeah, it'll be worth the look to see, um, you know, more about him. But you know, as we illustrated a couple of minutes ago. Corner, I, I think absolutely corner is the first-round pick. I think they're going to go in that direction. 
Uh, but they might have their first round cornerback who's currently on IR in William Jackson the yep. third. So we'll there's, see. There's that. I didn't even bring that up. You know, uh, decision so, on him, and he's yeah. the big money guy. They they got him on the hook for what fourteen next year. Yeah. So so it, it, the the whole off season. We're gonna get into this. I'm really excited for it. Those who know know I'm a big off season guy. I love the transaction season of the NFL. Uh, the Steelers. It's not a bad situation, but they've got a ton of decisions to make. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, how they assemble this roster. They built it to have these decisions. So it, it, it's a good thing. Uh, it, it, they needed a season to kind of weigh what they had. A uh, lot of big decisions for them to make. They're going to spend a lot of money again. There's going to be a lot of transactional stuff uh, flying around come March. Going to be great. And I think, uh, I, I think Corey is right. If Jalen Carter is there, sprint to the podium, and Felicia's also yeah, I ain't right. Jalen Carter, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's Mike a hot T, dude. They're Mike T gonna... loves pedigree. Mike T absolutely loves pedigree. He likes DNA. He 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 likes that. He gets it oh, because he got three sets of brothers on this team. I mean, imagine the sons. Yes. Sons of one of his best friends, <laughs> his former coaches. Yes, <clears throat> absolutely. But with that. We're going to go ahead and get off the program. Make sure you like and subscribe to the program. Please spread the word. We will be back on Wednesday to break down the Ravens. We may have a Ravens interview. We may not. But either way, make sure you tune in on Thursday at 7.15 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, bright and sharp, as we break it down, as we go into Ravens week. Lo and behold, two-game winning streak. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on a roll. Two games. Two games, baby. And with (laughs) that, we are going to conclude the show. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers. Two. That's the magic number.